Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It is April 9th, 2018, and I'm joined by Adam Rubenstein and Jim Swift of the Weekly Standard. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Good morning. All right, let's uh, let's dive right into what's going on with Syria. Uh, John Bolton's going to get his baptism of fire. See, I've already gotten one cliche into this podcast uh, already. Saturday night, at least 40 people killed in what looks like a chemical attack on a rebel-held area near Damascus. Uh, more than four, 500 people brought into the hospital. Um, the president uh, did something uh, at least unusual so far. He actually called out Vladimir Putin. Um, his his tweet was strongly worded. But let's just talk about, and Adam, I wanted to start with you. Um, what are our options right now in Syria? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a really complicated issue, and um, Trump didn't exactly uh, inherit a an easy position here. He wasn't left with something uh, so easy to work with by the Obama administration. But uh, what we saw just this, I mean, last night and uh, I guess early this morning over there was a bombing of the TIAS military air base. It's, they call it T-4. It's an air base that is traditionally used by the Quds Force, so an Iranian Revolutionary mm-hmm. Guard Corps unit. Um, and so this is this is pretty much a direct strike against Iran's activity in Syria. It's not a... Um, it's so this an, is it, bomb, bombing by... It, well, you know, you know, so this is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing here. So the U.S. Uh, Defense Department, two officials have said, according to an NBC report, they say it's Israel. Israel hasn't, uh, they haven't claimed the attack, but they're not exactly known uh, for claiming attacks. Uh, they do some things behind the scenes. Um, and it's interesting, too, because uh, Russia has claimed uh, that Israel uh, attacked. And just after they claimed Israel attacked, they also released a, a report condemning uh, Israel's actions on the on the border with uh, with, with Gaza. So um, they're using this as a bit of a you know a, a dispute. Yep. Um, All right, Let, let's just step back for a moment because as, as you as you point out, uh, President Trump has has inherited a mess. We could certainly argue that he's made it even messier. But go back to 2012. You know, one of the defining moments of President Barack Obama's presidency was when he he said he declared that there would be a you know that that uh, that Assad's use of chemical weapons against civilians would cross a red line and it would bring his phrase enormous consequences. Well, uh, when they called his bluff and there was a gas attack the next year, um, it was all kinds of talks about talk about whether or not Obama would launch missiles. He didn't. He punted the decision. Um, Congress kind of did the round about it. And as a result, um, uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russians have had a much bigger footprint in Syria. Yeah, then, didn't course, didn't we rely on them to yeah. uh, the trustworthy Russians to take out the chemical weapons from Syria? Well, well, exactly. Didn't John Kerry announce that, OK, this is done. This was a major announcement where the Obama administration claimed that, OK, yes, we've gotten the Russians in. But, you know, our big win is there are no more chemical weapons. That That turns out to be completely false, doesn't right. it? I mean, I seem to recall hearing 100 percent. Yep. Removed. 
Well, then you see some of the, the folks from the Obama administration saying, well, you know, that the chlorine doesn't really count. I mean, that's just like a household chemical. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, in, unless really? we're talking about VX, sarin, or mustard and whatnot, a, a, a lot of chemical uh, weapons can be made from, you know, chemicals that you, you can find. I mean, it's it's the reason why, as, as a new dad, um, you know, I, I worry about when uh, what's going to be under the sink, you know. You mix. Right. Well, exactly. But, but I mean, you know, at, at, at some point, just sort of, you know, parenthetically here, our intelligence forces, uh, intelligence agencies seems to have do a relatively lousy job when it comes to these weapons of mass destruction. I mean, we claim that there are weapons of mass destruction when there aren't. Um, and claim that they're gone when, in fact, they still are around. This is not reassuring me. That, that we're not able to say whether or not you have, you know, monsters like 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 Bashar al-Assad who still have chemical weapons. Okay, well, let's let's just fast forward now into where we're at with Trump. And by the way, it it it, it is interesting, and people have been pointing it out that when Obama was dithering around about what to do with Syria, that uh, then private citizen Donald Trump was um, putting out all in caps tweets telling him, do not bomb Syria, do not do anything with Syria, do not get engaged, um, which makes his current situation interesting. Now, a, a year ago, you remember, President Trump said that uh, we're no longer uh, committed to regime change, removing Assad from power. And then, of course, that was followed up by the sarin gas attack and the uh, the demonstration uh, bombing. Uh, but, uh, you know, so give, give me some sense of, of, of how what, what do you think American policy looks like from Damascus right now, Adam? I mean, what do they think that we are up to? Right. I think they they understand Trump in a similar way. I think we do that um, he's somewhat isolationist and that it could be um, it could be a opportunity to seize. I think, though, that runs contrary to the fact that. Well, Trump fired more than 50 Tomahawk missiles at a, an airbase in Syria. So it's not a it's not as if he won't attack like Obama, um, but it's it's more so that they just don't know what what to expect. And just like we don't know what to expect. He hadn't previously criticized Putin. Uh, and in a tweet this weekend, yeah. he he called out Putin by name. Notable. Uh, yeah, it is. And you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, in the tweet, he called Assad an animal. Um, and I think that's beyond dispute. But in Arabic, actually, Assad means lion, um, the, you know, the lion of Damascus. Well, he's the lion of Damascus. The, uh, some people call him the butcher of Damascus. I actually remember Christopher Hitchens called him the human toothbrush um, based on his, uh, his awkward, uh, I guess, his awkward look. Um, so are you suggesting that Assad might not be particularly insulted by being referred to as an animal? Right. Um, I, in fact, I mean, I, I see his sort of depopulating efforts using these chemical weapons in suburban uh, neighborhoods uh, or, you know, rebel enclaves with large civilian populations um, as a way to really uh, gain his power back. Uh, these are areas that are controlled by, um, you know, Groups like Hayat Tahrir al-Sham, these Salafist jihadist militant groups that are rebel that are rebels and that really um, they they contest his power. Um, so I don't know these these chemical weapons attack from his perspective um, are quite effective. Now what Trump does in response to that um, we don't know. I mean this this attack uh, this this attack targeting 
the Syrian uh, Iranian airbase uh, will well, it wasn't it wasn't the U.S. It was Israel, um, yeah. supposedly. But um, whether or not Trump acts to, chooses to do something, I mean, Mattis today said you know there are no options uh, off the table. We're we're considering everything. He's also the defense uh, defense guy who who dropped a Moab. So. I'm I'm not uh, so sure that uh, Assad will get an isolationist response, um, but it's. But he gonna... had to calculate that. I mean, that that that's the that's the big question I have in my mind is the risk reward. You know, you're saying that, that the use of chemical weapons is effective, but he also had to calculate right what price am I willing to pay? The 50 Tomahawk missiles from a year ago obviously um, did not dissuade him. Right? It it did not deter him from from doing that. So he has to figure there will be some sort of response. Correct, but, I mean, but apparently not significant enough to change his calculus of risk and reward. Yeah, I mean, he, it is, I mean, uh, there must be some rational basis on his end for doing this, uh, but it's not entirely clear. The, um, the Russians support him, the Iranians support him, and, uh, you know, if... And he's, not af- and he's not afraid of us, apparently. Well, it doesn't seem like that... It doesn't seem like that yet. Um, it would, it's well, let's, gonna... let, let's ask let's ask the the most uncomfortable question. And John McCain over the weekend went there, uh, putting out a statement suggesting that uh, that that President Trump's comments last week, um, you know, m- may have served to encourage this. And of course, you know, uh, this was uh, this was was Trump at this rally in Ohio, um, who it, it appeared to be somewhat impulsive. Said, "I, I want to get out. We're going to get out of Syria." And then, of course, uh, there was the news that uh, Trump had uh, had suspended about two hundred million dollars in uh, stabilization funds for the recovery efforts in Syria. Um, last Tuesday, he says, "I want to get out. I want to bring our troops home. It's time." A lot of lot of publicity about the tensions within the administration, with the president adamantly wanting to pull out of Syria. Then this is followed up within days of a chemical weapons strike. So is John McCain right that that uh, that kind of rhetoric and those reports might have served as a green light to Assad? Perhaps. Uh, we can't really know uh, can't exactly know. Um, unless I guess he says, you know, I did this because of what Trump said. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can see it as, you know, the, the further continuing the further use of chemical weapons is, you know, maybe a, a not not just to. Uh, you know, of course, kill the innocents and, and people who are sympathetic to the rebels, but also to send a message to President Trump. You know, this is what your people will face if you guys attack us. Mm. I think the more interesting question um, is going to be with John Bolton. You know, today's his first day, the beginning of the mustache era. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, he is not a neoconservative, but he's hawkish, and he's, you know, not really a big fan of uh, democracy building. But, um, you know, in the past, he's gone to such lengths to agree with Reagan targeting Gaddafi and, and, and whatnot. And what, what, what is John Bolton on day one here in the, in, the, in the National Security Council going to be telling President Trump, um, you know, the night after a country that may or may not be called Israel uh, attacked, uh, attacked C4? <laughs> Yeah, let, let me go back to the the John McCain uh, comment because that, that that I thought was the the strongest, the direct line between Trump's uh, rhetoric and a reminder that words actually matter. And this is one of the themes of the Trump era. This question, you know, you take him uh, seriously or literally. Well, look at his actions, not his words, and 
this may be one of those moments where words actually have substantive uh, uh, consequences. This is what McCain said. Trump last week signaled to the world the United States would prematurely withdraw from Syria. Assad and his Russian and Iranian backers have heard him and emboldened by American inaction, Assad has reportedly launched another chemical attack. The president responded decisively when Assad used chemical weapons last year. He should do so again and demonstrate that Assad will pay a price for his war crimes. And then McCain does acknowledge that Trump inherited bad options after years of inaction by Obama in Syria. History will render a bitter judgment on America for that failure, but no one believe we are out of options to believe we are out of options. So I guess the question is, though, are we going to see now a cycle of, of more missile strikes and bombing, but no fundamental change in sort of the geopolitical balance in the, in the Middle East? Because, I mean, you can, you can drop lots of tomahawks, lots of bombs, but as long as Assad is in power, as you point out, Adam, as long as he's backed by the Iranians and the Russians, nothing much is going to change, will it? Right. I mean, the the general sense is that uh, isolationism doesn't work. And the sooner uh, Trump can veer away from that um, and pivot to a more engaged approach, um, I think we're better off. I don't know. I don't think it's sort of a fool's errand to try and ascribe to Assad the motivation for individual particular attacks. Um, and you know, I think the real question here uh, is one that um, Shadi Hamid posted on uh, Twitter. He posted this early this morning. Can anyone really argue that military intervention against Assad would have resulted in 495,000 deaths? Can anyone say this, you know, at the during the mm -hmm. Obama administration? Oh, we shouldn't intervene. It'll be another Iraq. It, you know, this um, this atrocity has occurred uh, in a time when uh, we weren't thought to be isolationist when. Um, right. And, and and look, I mean, we will have to make a, a long term uh, a long term commitment here if we want to see uh, a more stable Syria, uh, a less emboldened Iran, Russia. Um, contained. What does that mean, though? I mean, it would what, it, it what? would it would mean significant. Uh, it would mean a significant devotion of resource to uh to Syria, to um, controlling rebel factions, to, I mean, you know, that would be the exact opposite of what the president of the United States was demanding a week ago. Not that he has any, you know, um, history of, of, of turning on a dime uh, <laughs> about this, but no, I, I don't mean to laugh about any of this because this is no, this it's is not a horrible it's, tragedy. Yeah. But, uh, but it's a good. It po is, it's a good point. It is true, right? I mean, you know, you want to talk about somebody who makes it up as they go along. I mean, this may be the perfect example of this. Well, this this is also one of these sorts of things that you know people on the Weekly Standard. We were very critical of Trump for not really having many true principles that he really adhered to. Um, you know, he he's always been sort of a, a political windsock and and willing to kind of negotiate and you know negotiate his position as as as, as things uh, change. Uh, trade has been an issue where he's actually kind of long held a belief, but also sort of a non-interventionism. Trump has never really, you know, been a drumbeater for war. Well, very much so. Um, but he's also, you know, kind of obsessed with the, you know, who's got the bigger missile type thing. And, uh, you know, he had these tough tweets, which kind of then puts him in a, you know, in the situation. Lindsey Graham says, you know, if he doesn't follow through, live up to his tweets, he's going to look weak in the eyes of Russia and Iran. Um, you know, harshly worded tweets aren't aren't necessarily going to do it. So he's going to have to follow through. But 
again, to, to Adam's point, there appears to be nothing in this administration's policy or his own instincts that would suggest that he's prepared to follow that up with any sort of long-term commitment. And you know, going back to the risk and reward, I'm guessing that the Russians and the Syrians figure that they can absorb a couple of you know bombings, but they don't have to worry about that long-term escalation slash commitment. You know, I fear underestimating Mattis. I mean, uh, I we might we might eat our words um, mm-hmm. if Mattis steps forward and you know presents something to Trump. Also with Bolton, I mean, I don't I don't see Bolton as a shy figure in this. So you know, maybe it's coming, maybe uh, a larger, um, more robust engagement uh, in in the region will uh, will will be thought of and presented to the president soon. And uh, yeah, I'd, you know, it's it's really anyone's guess unless there's a uh, yeah I, I, right. Well, but, we, do, we 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 don't know when they don't know, but I do think that. You know, uh, the, the bigger picture here. Remember, you know, just was it last week? There was this meeting in in Turkey. You know, Iran, Turkey, Russia gathered to talk about the future of Syria. United States was not even invited. We're not even part of all of that. So um, it's pretty terrifying. Knows? I mean, seeing those leaders together meeting and determining a plan when it seems that uh, it's possible that we don't have one, um, or that we're letting them. Our plan is basically to let them have a plan and you know let Israel defend itself and, you know, attack anything that's moving, uh, maintain relations with these countries, at least Israel and Russia, but, um, and I guess Israel and Turkey to some degree, let them control all the moving parts. Uh, but, I, I mean, it, it, it seems uh, a bit disjointed, this, this whole, um, you know, let this place, yeah. let, let this country respond. Uh, we'll send these missiles here and uh, let's just hope that they trust us. Let's hope that, you know, they believe we have the resolve to act when we should have acted much longer ago. Our credibility was lost uh, during the Obama years and it's going to take a lot to restore it. Well, to an earlier point you made, and any any solution, and there's no easy solution, there's no, you know, bloodshedless solution. There there, there are no easy answers with this. Um, And and it's true Trump walked into... Um, you know, a really bad situation due to the inaction of the previous occupant of the office. But any solution will require a long-term commitment by the United States. And this president has not shown that he's willing to make long-term commitments to really any idea or person or ideology. It's just, it's not, you know, or even business ventures. It's just, it's long-term commitment and Trump don't really go together. And, you know, that that's why I'm a little bit um, skeptical that, that we're going to be we're going to be uh, America first leading on any of these uh, these issues. Lots of saber rattling, um, not a lot of uh, follow up. Uh, okay, because it's obligatory to do this. Um, you know, continuing to talk about what's going on with with Scott Pruitt. Uh, Weekly Standard has an editorial um, suggesting that his position may be more secure than in fact he deserves. But let's just talk about this. I I, I have. Uh, I'm I'm pretty solidly on both sides of this question. I you know I think uh, um, I've I predicted that he would survive based on the conservative support, and then I read the headlines going, you know, what the heck is going on with this guy? But Jim Swift, give me your sense where Scott Pruitt is at, because unlike almost every other, almost every other uh, cabinet shakeup or person on the bubble, 
there does appear to be a mobilization within Trump world to protect Scott Pruitt. The Wall Street Journal editorial, uh, you have uh, you have a number of conservative groups signing an open letter saying, you know, you got to stick with 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 Pruitt. Um, The president seems to be going out of his way to buy into all of that. So if we were if we were looking on the 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 Pruitt meter today, do you think he's more or less likely to survive? I, I think it's uh, like it's a big windstorm that uh, if, if, if he didn't get blown over by the initial stuff, as long as he continues to, well, <laughs> he hasn't been playing perfect baseball by any means, but if he can if he can start playing perfect baseball, he probably will keep his job. And I think it's interesting that letter, I, I got a copy of that letter, right? it was emailed it by whoever the PR people uh, who, who sent it out. You know, no such letter for Shulkin because Shulkin, right. you know, wasn't a Trump guy really. Uh, no such letter for Price because Price wasn't a Trump guy. Um, I mean, Carson's still there, um, but it, you know, it was sort of unprecedented the level to which um, big DC conservative grassroots. I mean, not really super grassrooty um, since they've been around. I mean, they're they're more like uh, buckwheat sage. I mean, they've 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 grown into a, a field of. You know, decades-old grassroots organizations, uh, all rising to to defend him, and I think that's because they do think of Pruitt as one of them, as opposed to some of the the other picks by by Trump. You know, obviously Cohn or um, you know a lot of the kind of New York sort of uh, more liberal picks. Uh, they 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 don't the identify globalists. With the globalists. I'm you know I'm, I'm pro globalism, but Pruitt was really one of them, and so you know they got to defend their own. So okay, I, I think he, he survives. Here, here's a story that probably only we care about <laughs> that much. Um, Michael Anton leaving as the spokesperson for the National Security Council. Of course, yeah, he was uh, under the pen name Dacious. He wrote the uh, the, the famous uh, Flight Flight 93 essay before the uh, the election. Uh, he he had been brought in by Michael Flynn, but somehow had survived through the McMaster era. But uh, it's obviously not a coincidence, right, that that he is uh, departing for greener pastures at Hillsdale College uh, the the day that John Bolton is coming in. So basically, does this give you a sense that that Bolton is clearing the decks? I mean, I don't, I don't know if we have enough information to to determine that yet. I, I think it's clear though that uh, Anton's time on the Security Council. I mean, he he was under McMaster too uh, after the after the switch uh, after the Flynn's oust. Ouster. So um, I don't know. It, it it's true that um, that Anton was one of Trump's uh, more intellectual um, early supporters. Uh, writing that the, the, that the bar is kind of low there. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean uh, this. Publius Decius Mus essay uh, was widely read. Um, so he's going from one conservative institution, the Claremont Institute, uh, into the White House, and then to another conservative institution, Hillsdale College, Kirby Center, uh, to their like DC think tank. Yeah, what uh, does that mean? For, I'm I'm interested to know what that means for Hillsdale, because um, you know Hillsdale has a lot of true cons versus um, you know a lot of kind of Trump skeptics. And uh, mm. does does this mean that Hillsdale is now going to kind of uh, tilt their I don't know tilt the scale towards Trumpism? Right. I mean, oh, they, they've tilt they've they've tilted a long time ago. Um, right. who, who's the president? Larry Arn. 
Oh, he is. Yeah, Larry Arn is gone. He's totally a Trumpist. So this doesn't surprise me. Right. And it's uh, interesting. I mean, so Michael Anton's thesis was, you know, we need to storm the cockpit of the air of the airplane. If we don't, uh, destruction is assured. So we I will guess, all die. Right. So I, I mean, probably I probably all go, we're probably going to all die anyway. But he parachutes. But, but, but he we, parachutes out of the plane. <laughs> right. Yeah, he parachutes okay. into Hillsdale College. So I don't know. Um, I, I hope this doesn't mean something. I hope this doesn't have some uh, some something we don't know about that could lead uh, lead us to assume he's just. I, I think Anton probably just got fed up with how frumpy everyone dressed in the in the West Wing. I mean, he's he's an immaculate uh, fashion icon on the on the far right. So I mean, I could understand that daily frustration. But didn't didn't he imply that all you guys were you know you know were hanging out at Davos and had become out of touch conservative elitist? I mean, wasn't that among the the things that the the Flight ninety three essay was all about? Was the reason we had to storm the cockpit was because we 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 just couldn't count on conservatives like us to save save America. Perhaps, but I mean, can if if this? I think I was thinking about you, Jim Swift. Yeah, <laughs> you, you and your Davos buddies. Yes, you know, you know me. But uh, have they shown that we they can be counted on really for much of anything? I mean, um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe no one can be counted on anymore. But you know what? I mean, that that essay. We don't have time to get into it. But that that essay, I, I think, is was is, is one of the. It's gross. Uh, one, of, one of one of extra extraordinary monuments of 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 the mentality of of 2016, which is the that elections are not elections anymore. That they are life and death affairs. That it is the apocalypse. That 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 every single moment is a a a crisis, which the future of Western civilization is at stake. And, and, Except and that Syria, mentality maybe. Is, is, has really become, you know, has become one of the defining elements of our politics, hasn't it? It's fight to the death. It's, right. uh, it's what Walter Russell Mead calls the eschatological meanings of politics, that no matter what we're doing, no matter who has an opinion, if that opinion is not the one held by everyone and we don't assume the best intentions of everyone, that uh, the end times are upon us. It's, uh, you know, the, the great professor Eric Vogelin uh, used to say of these views, don't imminentize the eschaton. Don't, don't in your argument, uh, hinge the entire world, Western civilization, on one particular viewpoint. Uh, and yeah, I, there's something to be said about that. Um, when you're when you're staking, you know, life as we know it on uh, an election or on any one specific issue, it's uh, it's really it's a it's a silly tactic. Yeah, and you, you, you might even argue that it's one of the things that causes us to lose our minds. Hey, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this Monday. I appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll do this all over again.